The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sirius XM Sports presents an exclusive town hall from the Sirius XM Studios featuring the creator of Busted Open, Dave LaGreca, and your AEW World Heavyweight Champion. There is only one thing that means everything to me, and that is the Triple B. Maxwell Jacob Friedman. My name is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, and I'm better than you. Now, here is your host, Dave LaGreca. Open Town Hall. You guys excited? Right, you guys, are, you guys aren't loud enough. You need to be louder. You gotta wake up. You gotta wake up all the zombies that are walking on the 37th floor. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of Busted Open History. As I said, first ever Busted Open Town Hall. First time. Here in the fishbowl, we call this studio the fishbowl. This is the premier studio here for SiriusXM, and you guys are part of Busted Open History. So, now, Busted Open hasn't always been live in such palatial studios, such as the one that we're in today. And I'm going to go back six years ago to 2017. And in 2017, I was hosting the show with Larry Dallas in one of the makeshift studios in one of our offices on the 37th floor. It wasn't even a real radio studio. It was pretend. And on 2017, I had a very special guest. It's going to be the person that's the man of the hour here today, your AEW world champion, MJF. And I sat down with him 2017 and Court Bauer from MLW said, Dave, I need you to do me a favor. Can you interview this new independent wrestler that has created quite a buzz on the indie scene? And I would really like it if you took the time to have him in studio. So we had him in studio with us. And I got to tell you, that first ever meeting, I knew that this guy was going to be a star. How did I know? Because he pretty much embarrassed and humiliated me. <laughs> For 45 minutes straight, which might happen again here today during this town hall. But I want to go back six years ago and I want to play a clip from that interview. Ladies and gentlemen, just in case you're deaf, dumb, blind, stupid, or let's just assume poor, my name is Maxwell Jacob Freeman. How are you guys doing today? You know what? I'm great. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not doing great because you honestly look like, like crap. To uh, paint a picture for the listeners at home, I am looking at a fat, out-of-shape nerd in a, uh, what appears to be, what, is, what does that shirt say? Well. It says suplex. When was the last time you suplexed anyone in your life? I'm curious. Uh, I think the answer is no. It was pretty rhetorical. You looked at yourself in the mirror today and you said, you know what? This is okay. This is fine. And you walked in here and you just settled. And I don't do that. I never will do that because I can't do that. I'm incapable. And that's why I am already one of the best going today. And I will continue to be one of the best going until everyone in the world decides MJF is the greatest of all time. Now, that's six years ago, and you could definitely make the argument that he is the best right now in the world of pro wrestling. And I'm still fat, out of shape, and a nerd, but I did kind of dress up a little bit nicer than I did that day uh, in 2017. But, you know, here's a guy that knew his goals. Here's a guy that knew that one day he was going to be what everybody was going to be looking at. And on Sunday, there's going to be over 80,000 fans that are going to be watching him in the main event of All In. Here's a guy that five years ago was the opening match at the first ever All In, and now he is in the main event of what is 
maybe the most historic show that we're going to see on Sunday. So let's bring in your AEW world champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. too thick hold on <laughs> let me put that over here got a big old iphone put that over here gotta be you know a little uh, listen i know this. i you know and you got uh, a heavy belt there in your lap it's disturbingly heavy yeah it's disturbingly heavy i'm exhausted and i'm sitting down that's how heavy this belt is well um i played a clip from our interview in two in the broom closet when yes. you looked like a total schlep yes yeah i recall yes yes i recall um Man, a lot's happened since that day in 2017. And it can't be lost. The moment can't be lost. I, got, I, I told you before we started here that couldn't have timed this show better because what's going to happen on Sunday is history. Yep. And you're a part of it. Not only are you a part of it, you are the guy. Yeah, I'm you, the headliner. You're the headliner. You're the main event. You're the world champion. Um, Man, it's... It's quite a story. It's quite a journey. And I kind of want to go step by step through that journey to where we are right now. I don't know, Dave. I hate talking about myself, but I guess. <laughs> well, I guess. This is all yeah. about you. Because yeah. think about it. And at least from the outside looking in and that day in 2017, I saw a star. Did you see that star? Yeah, always. And I think that at first that really annoyed people. And I think that's why at one point in time, I was the most hated man in all of professional wrestling, dare I say the world, because um, people don't like someone who is overconfident. What, what they call that, unfortunately, um, people use terminology like braggart, right? Mm -hmm. I've went from being the most hated man in all of professional wrestling to being the most, let's face it, loved man in all of professional wrestling. And dare I say the most over, uh, although it's not really a dare anymore now, is it? But, and I think the reason that happened was because people realized, oh, he's just unapologetically himself. How am I supposed to hate somebody who's brave enough to be unapologetically themselves 24-7? A lot of people in my profession... It's almost like they have to don a cape and a mask before they walk through that curtain. They need a quote-unquote gimmick. No gimmicks needed with MJF. I'm me 24-7, and I think that's why these people showed up today. I think that's why people keep showing up every single Wednesday on Dynamite, and I think that's why everybody's going to show up come August 27th at All In, baby. You should clap. Yeah, that, 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 that pregnant pause was for a clap. We're, we're going to teach the audience as yeah. we go along. You'll figure it out. Yes, we're going to teach the audience Again, as we clap. go Again, clap. I just finished talking. Okay, good. You're doing great. Their hands are going to be tired. Now you're getting it. Now you're Their getting hands it. are going to be tired. But it's a gift, and you have this gift, because if you want to be hated, you'll be hated. If you want to be loved, you'll be loved. I don't know. There's only a handful of performers that you could really say that about in the yeah. history. I call it emotional puppeteering. Okay. Thank you. But you're able to do that. And it's a gift. And it's very few people that are able to do it. Maybe you are one of the few, if not the only one that could do it right now in 2023. Yeah. I, I definitely feel I'm the best, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm the only one. Um, there's this weird thing going on now in professional wrestling where I'll see fans online, the way they communicate with each other. It's like all out war. Mm -hmm. And like, just so you guys know, it's not like, that's not what's going on. Like with like the wrestlers, like we're all rooting each other on because realistically, the better the two companies are doing, the more money we're going to make. So like. 
stop arguing. Like we're all, we're all freaking having a blast. I'm watching LA night and Cody Rhodes every week and I'm having a blast just like yep. I know everybody else is having a blast. Just like I know that there are fans out there watching better than you, baby having a blast every single week. There's so much great professional wrestling going on and there's more than enough room for it clearly because AEW is about to have the biggest crowd. This is not hyperbole. Wrestling is unfortunately a very hyperbolic sport. The biggest crowd ever in the history of the sport, and I'm headlining it. When I think about that, that's it's so insane to me because, and I think another reason why people can't get enough MJF is because I'm I'm really similar to a lot of the people that watch every week. Besides the fact that I'm a freak athlete and I'm way more handsome than everybody, <laughs> and a prodigy, I grew up loving this sport. Yeah. I had a John Cena fathead in my bedroom. I woke up to that man staring at me. <laughs> That's insane. I had posters of CM Punk and Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine and Jerry Lynn and Buddy Roger. Like, I live for this shit. And now I get to look dead into that camera and say that I'm the headliner for the biggest show ever and it's not hyperbole. And I think that the reason people are behind me is because people see themselves in me I'm a part of that dream, and I'm proud to be a part of that let's, dream. Well, let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. Yeah. From those days when you were just a fan. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! What were you saying? Uh, that's always good for the ears. Yeah. Go, go. <laughs> Program director brought that in. Um... <laughs> um you were just a fan. Talk about those days when you were a fan. Were you dreaming of one day becoming a professional wrestler? So here's the deal. I knew I was going to end up going down as one of the greatest of all time. And again, people are going to think that's hyperbole. It's not. I just needed this for my breath. Come here. Open your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Sit back down. Um, I always knew. I'll never forget. I looked at my, my father. Mm -hmm. who, let's be honest, he's a bit of a freeloader, but I looked at my father at the time, uh, Stephen. We were at Madison Square Garden. It was the first ever elimination chamber. Shawn Michaels had the weird Dutch boy haircut and the dookie brown pants, um, and he hits the pose. And everyone in Madison Square Garden is jumping up and down, chanting those three initials, HBK. And I remember vividly looking up at my father and pointing at Sean and saying, I can do that. And my dad looked at me and he was like, yeah. You know? Um, like any father would, because yeah. that's insanity. Yeah. Uh, and it, I never shook that feeling that I knew deep down it was this guttural feeling that I could do it. And I would watch and I would study tape. I would watch old school stuff. I'm talking... Uh, the original Nature Boy stuff on YouTube, which, by the way, if you're an upstart professional wrestler and you want to make it in this industry and you want to be different, you want to stand out and you want to be a top name in the industry like MJF, YouTube, it's insane we have that at our fingertips because people grew up having to, I'm sure there are people here that had to trade tape. Yep. I didn't have to live that existence Everything I wanted was at my fingertips. I want to watch this match. It's on YouTube. I want to watch this match. It's on Daily Motion. You know? So, and I took full advantage of that. So by the time when I was 18 and I stepped foot in a squared circle at the Creative Pro Wrestling Academy, I felt ready. And the fucked up part is I was. <laughs> and I think, but yeah. because I think mentally is the biggest part of it, right? Of if course. you know right away that, hey, this is what I want to do. Yes. And then you have a family that supports you as well. I know your yes. dad probably in that moment was like, come on, son, you're crazy. Well, I, can, but I can go back all the way to, again, talking about that guttural feeling. And I know religion in 2023 is kind of this scary topic. I'm a religious person. I'm Jewish. I believe in God. If you don't believe in God, by all means, screw God, whatever you want. I don't know why people argue over it. It is what it is. Yeah. But I believe in him. And I remember I'm, I'm on this college campus. I've only been there for two days. Two days. And, it, and it's... It's it's called Hell Week, 
essentially, as, as a freshman, when they try to figure out who they want to start, who's going to be first string, second string, third string. And the coach literally told me by day three, we're thinking about starting you. And I knew they weren't bullshitting because they would put us in a formation and they would line us up in spots. And if you were starting, you'd be the first person in the line. And I was the first person in the line after wow. day two. And I'm 18 and I should have been over the moon, but I wasn't. I just had this guttural feeling of, I am not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be the next Roddy Piper. I'm supposed to be the next Ric Flair. I'm supposed to be the next Andre the Giant. Screw it. Like, I was like, I know what I'm supposed to do. And it's not this. And I remember calling my mom and my dad. And this does not make them bad parents. It makes them normal parents. Mm -hmm. They were like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You're going to graduate from college or you're going to wind up being, you know, homeless. Because that's the, that's the mindset as a parent. How many people here have kids, right? I'm sure you want your... Hi, how old are you? Uh, 11. Mom, do you want them to go to college? No, no. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Dad, do you want them to go to college? Yeah, of course you do, because that's normal. That's like a normal thing to want for your child. But I just, I just had this guttural feeling, and I got really depressed. I was like, I'm not... It was like an outer body experience. So, have I told this story on your show before? I don't no, know. No, no. All right. So I told my roommate, who at the time was also vying for the same position and was a freshman, and he was the drizzling shits, but that's besides (laughs) the point. And I said, I don't know if I want to be here right now. And he was like, oh, and he left the room. And that was the weirdest reaction to me saying that. I was like, what was that? The next day I get called into the coach's office. He narked on me because he wanted my spot, which, by the way, I would have done the same thing. Smart move. Uh, but that's, that's neither here nor there. And the coach looks at me, I heard you want to leave. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think, I think I want to leave. I wasn't going to say why. I didn't want the man to laugh in my face. And he goes, yeah, we can't let you do that. We're going to assign you an accountability buddy. I go, what? And in walked this six foot three offensive lineman named Sal Levante, who I'm friends with now on Facebook, uh, was not friends with at the time. Trust me. And he followed me everywhere. Everywhere for two days, followed me wherever I went. He followed me. If I went to the bathroom, he waited outside. I was literally held prisoner. They didn't want me to leave because they had spent a lot of time, money, and effort recruiting me. I waited till the wee hours of the night like a lunatic, packed the essentials, got in my Dodge Ram truck, and I drove all the way home. And my parents were livid. As anybody's yeah, parents would be. Of course. My mom was hysterical, crying. My dad looks at me, what are you doing? And in my mind, I'm like, dude, I told you this years ago. I'm going to be a pro wrestler. But obviously, it's like it's every time I'd say it, it, you know. And I looked at him, I said, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And he just sunk his head down and, and went to the room. And, and, and I felt such like a violent amount of disappointment. But to my father's credit, the very next day, he walked over to me. I Googled wrestling schools. If you're going to do this, you're going to do this the right way. I was going to pay for four years of your college education. Therefore, I will allow you to live in this house for four years. If you don't make it in four years, you're out. And my response in my head was, I only need fucking two. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I was pretty much right. Uh, so, yeah, that's the story of how my wrestling career started. Yeah, it's a great story, and again, hearing about your parents, who I love, yeah, because uh, they're two amazing people, yeah, and supporting you because even as you're telling the story, when you're saying professional wrestling, that sounds like like astronaut, yeah, you know, that sounds like so out there. And when you're a five foot nothing Jewish kid from Long Island, it sounds even more insane. So I under I understood it, but internally. I swear I've had a feeling since birth this is what I'm supposed it's, to do. And you know so. what? It's worked out. Um, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right, so talk about that next step. Now, you make the commitment. Your father says, hey, you got four years. You know in your mind you probably don't even need that much. Yeah. You go to create a pro. Yeah. Talk about those early days of training and going to school. I'll never forget the first time I stepped foot in a ring. <laughs> I, I mean, I get excited thinking about it now. My heart's racing. Like, it's just that moment when you know. It's like the first time I laid eyes on your wife. I knew she wanted me. 
but I knew. I really, I knew. That's where I was supposed to be. I remember like a lunatic, like draping my hands on the ropes and smelling my hands and running myself into the turnbuckle and trying to take a bump before practice started, which was a horrible idea, <laughs> and hitting the back of my head super hard and being like, oh, this ring is really hard. Because, you know, you grow up and all these morons tell you it's like a trampoline. Yep. A ring, dude, the ring is not any much softer than, than this floor that you get. It sucks. But I love it. And I just, I remember the very first day of training, uh, we were running through everything and I was learning how to do the rolls, how to bump, how to hit the ropes. And this is going to sound insane, but I remember my trainer, Pat Buck, who now works at AEW as a, as a coach, he, he looked bewildered because I was catching on like almost immediately while everybody else was like, like try like, like on roller skates. Like I just... Again, everything in wrestling is hyperbolic, but I remember my first day in the ring, I, 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 I got it. <laughs> like, and I remember, I'm like one of the only people that can say beyond a shadow of a doubt. After three months of training, I had my first match. That's really weird. Like, re that's not the norm. All right, so it's three yeah. months. You're having your first match. Yeah, I'm sure in your mind you're like, I'm ready for this. Yes. So walk me through that first match. I watched the match recently. I believe it's actually on YouTube. It was a tag team match. It was me and my tag partner was at the time his name uh, was Joe Bronson. Now he's you can see him. He's uh, he's a uh, one half the Iron Savages. They actually just had a match on Collision. He's the guy that went like this. <laughs> uh, and like it's like all over social media right now uh and that my, mine and joe's very first match was a tag match and i'll never forget again i remember walking through the curtain and just being like oh okay yeah and and again i hear these stories like I remember I did Steve Austin's podcast with him. He's like, and that was the time, by God, the light bulb went off in that moment. In year two, I felt it. And I'm like, year two? Like, I just, I knew. I knew instantaneously. It was like a fish jumping into a stream of water. I just knew. And so, you can watch the match back. I, I, I've not really changed all that much as far as the presentation and the athleticism. And what year was that? 2015? That was, I was, I was, either 18 or 19 so it might have been 2014 or 2015 okay yeah. so 25 now fast forward just those two yeah. years the scary part is, is i have gotten better like <laughs> which is terrifying because i was good on my first you were great day then out. yeah and then now yeah, like, look where you are. Yeah. yeah um doesn't even make sense so you you think about that and you're right because you got it so early and yeah. you knew it and you connected immediately that you know you hear a lot of wrestlers talk about 5 10 15 years you know, two years later, you're already... Those wrestlers didn't get to go into the school of... And I say the school. Allow me to reiterate. I hate everyone I'm about to mention in a... Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because, you know, I, I had blood feuds with these gentlemen. Mm. But even when you're feuding with somebody, even when you hate somebody's guts, you pick up things. I was really good when I started in AEW. I can look back now and I can still say that with a straight face. I became great after I got to be on opposite ends against guys like Cody Rhodes, Chris Jericho, CM Punk, John Moxley. Um, you, you have to get better because if you don't get better, you're swimming with great white sharks and you'll get eaten alive. And the cool thing was, dare I say, they were in dangerous waters more so than I was by the time all of that was said and done. Wow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So Now, even though you connected and you knew it, were you still like a sponge when you're around people like I that? I still am. Okay. I'm a fucking lunatic. If there's ever an opportunity for me to get better in any capacity, inside of the ring, outside of the ring, on the microphone, I'll take it. 
I I say it all the time, and people are like hyperbole. No, no, no. I've literally studied tape <laughs> until like you ever see those crazy drug addict looking people where they have like the all the red lines in their eyes and shit. I that's me constantly. But I'm just watching wrestling. I'm 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 watching wrestling, and whenever I have an opportunity to learn in any capacity, I I I, I absorb shit like a sponge. Which is hysterical because my attention deficit is horrible. But for some strange reason, God was like, I'm going to give you horrible ADD, but you will be able to hyper-focus on one thing and one thing only. And, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, you it's know. been one thing that you need. Yeah. Right, so it's 2017, like yeah. I mentioned. I played that clip when you were on Busted Open. At that time, you're on the independent scene. You're creating a buzz for yourself. Yes. So when you're creating that buzz, are you... Looking at options, because at that point, there is no AEW. Yes. So what's going through your mind then when you're creating that buzz like you did? Court Bauer and Gabe Sapolsky both offered me a contract in the same exact week when I was 19 years old. So I had Evolve here, and I had MLW here, and I ended up going with MLW um, be, because uh, the idea of, of learning TV excited me. I understood that Evolve had incredible players there, but to me... My end goal was always to get to this, yep. you know, not to be the, the indie darling. This was always my end goal. Um, be, be the best in the business, be the world champion, because that's what being a world champion is. Um, so I went there and I got to understand the difference between television wrestling, even if it's at a smaller scale, mm -hmm. versus the independent circuit at a young age. And, that, and very young. Yeah. Because even at your age, there's probably people who would later become wrestlers that aren't even thinking about pro wrestling at that age. No. So that's 2017, 2018. Yeah. And you're obviously a lot of people are talking about it now because that gets you towards that. I believe first I signed on uh, 2022. I was either 20. No, I think I was 22. Because, well, let me think here. I'm 27 now. Uh, I've, the company's been around for almost five years. So how old would yeah, I? Yeah, twenty-two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm a fucking mathematician <laughs> and a world champion. But before we get to AEW, yeah. All In that yeah. first All In. Yes. Now, obviously, everybody knows the story. I at had this no right on that card. I I had no. I had absolutely no right being on that card whatsoever. I didn't. I didn't. If you look at the names on that card. At the time, which is hysterical, because now I'm a bigger name than all of them. But at the time, <laughs> no, it's fucking. What am I fucking lying? If, no, if so you look at the. So, like, literally, the okay, you guys know the facts. So, I'm working on not being uh, like an overt braggart when I know that people know like the truth. I like I don't have to sit here and explain that I am the biggest ratings draw or the biggest merch seller in the company because it's just out there online now. But. <sighs> To look around in that locker room and be in that locker room simply because Cody Rhodes decided to take a chance on me, that's never, that's always going to stick with me. Now, uh, did I beat Cody uh, smack dab in the middle of the ring live on a pay-per-view? I did. You did. I did. <laughs> but I am thankful for that opportunity that he got me because if I didn't wrestle that match against Matt Cross in the opener of All In, I wouldn't have been offered a contract and I wouldn't have had interest from both the two major promotions at that time, WWE and AEW. So that's 2018. You find your way on that all in card. Yes. And you said you had no business, at least at that time, even being a part of that show. That, was, even, yeah, no. that was an historic show because probably a lot of younger listeners don't even realize just five years ago, forget yeah. about what we're going to see this weekend. We'll get into that. But five years ago, you didn't see a show outside of the WWE. Well, let's face drawing. it, was, it was the biggest show outside of the, pardon, outside of the WWE since WCW. Yes. Point blank. 20 years. Yes, 20 years. And you're, and it's 10,000 fans. Now you see that type of audience yeah. each and every week. Yeah. But, it's because I'm on the card. But, but yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you find your way on there. So you're seeing all these names. This is the being billed the biggest independent show in the world here in 2018. How did you feel after that match? How did you feel after that show? I knew I did a great job, but I, I also knew that a, <laughs> there would be a, a big conglomerate of people saying, yeah, the kid did good, but what was he there for? I strive on that shit. Yeah. 
And we'll continue to talk about those things as the milestones added up in my career because every single time I've had a big opportunity in any capacity, the goalpost was always moved. Every single time. And we can get into that. But I remember the goal... I did a great job, but the goalpost was moved. Yeah, the match was really good, but why was he on the card? Okay. Okay. Well, WWE scouts and AEW scouts didn't feel that way. But okay. Uh, And then... Uh, when I signed on with AEW, uh, it was really just off to the races. And I, I remember, again, goalpost moment. I mean, yeah, MJF has really become the most hated man in all professional wrestling. But can he have a good match against Cody Rhodes? First of all, if you can't have a good match against Cody Rhodes, kill yourself. Second of all, <laughs> second of all yeah. Yeah, I can have a good match with anybody. I can have a let me let me phrase that. I can have a great match with anybody. Then I do that. Obviously, the match was awesome. You can watch it back now. There's highlight clips all over on YouTube with people made music videos and shit to it. Uh, it people love that shit. Um, and then after that, it was yeah. M- MJF had a, <laughs> had an incredible rivalry and an incredible match with Cody Rhodes, but he can never be in a main event. MJF versus John Moxley. That match was incredible in the peak of the pandemic era, and people still bring that match up to me to this day. Yeah. MJF is. <laughs> MJF, sure, MJF could be in the main event of a, of a pay-per-view for the world title, but can you go toe-to-toe on the microphone with a legend like Chris Jericho? Okay. Uh, I did that for a year. Um, sure. MJF. Might have beaten John Moxley for the world title, but he can't wrestle for an hour against Brian Danielson. I'll never forget how live that of all the takes that was the one that made me the most mad. There's a weird thing that has occurred in professional wrestling where, and I think we can all agree on this 99% of the time, if somebody's really good at this, they're just okay in the ring. I don't know why that, eh, let me, I do know why that is. Because people rest on their laurels. They realize they can make just enough money and be just enough over by just being good on the microphone. So why put just as much time and effort onto this as they do inside the squared circle? I don't rest on my laurels. I'm a sicko. <laughs> it's not how I operate. I wasn't raised that way. Um, I, was, I was raised to be able to look people in the eye and say, I'm better than you and you know it. And mean it. So when I read that, I thought to myself... This is my favorite goalpost moment because not only am I going to prove I can go an hour with Brian Danielson, not only am I going to have the best Ironman match in the history of the sport, I am going to make everyone go, can Brian Danielson hang with MJF? Yeah. And guess what the answer was? Nope. I won. Why do you think... Why do you think people constantly move that goalpost? Because people aren't used to watching history unfold in front of their very own eyes. It's scary. I'm scary. I scare people. I'm not supposed to be able to be this good at 27. It's weird. It's never happened before in the history of the sport. Now, there have been guys that have gotten huge opportunities at my age, but everybody knew that they had holes in their game. I'm not going to name names. You can think of these people where they got a lot of TV time and you went, oh, this guy's, this guy's next up, but he needs to work on this or he needs to work on that. I'm going to work on jack shit, bro. I'm MJF. I'm the best in the world right now by my opinion, a wide margin. You're, you're the, you have the championship. Yeah. You're the world champion. So like you said earlier, that means you're the best. That means you're the best, point blank. And I think I think that's why. I think it's slowed down a tremendous amount. I think people finally have taken a step back and been like, all right, he talks a lot of shit. He cuts some corners. He's kind of a scumbag, but he's my scumbag. And I think now fans are kind of, they're excited to be along for the ride as opposed to being contrarians, as opposed to going, everyone's talking about how great this guy is. I'm sick of it. I don't want to hear it anymore. Now it's, all right. He's pretty. He's pretty fucking good. Yeah, because I think yeah. everybody, yeah. probably everybody in this room included, have been along on the ride with you. Yeah, since you day know, one. And they, I appreciate they know you all that. for that. They know that. Thank you. Um, 
Now let's go back to when you did sign with AEW, made the decision to sign yeah. with AEW. Step me through that day. What was that like, putting pen to paper, signing with AEW? I cried like a baby back bitch, Dave. Uh, it was so intense because, uh, again, it was another moment where I, I bet on myself. I could have went the easy route. I could have went to the place that was very well established, that everyone's heard of. Everyone knows the three letters, WWE, as you should. It is, it's an incredible, amazing company that I still watch to this day. It's awesome. No one knew what AEW was. No one. It didn't exist. It's Fugazi. It's Fugazi. It's yep. a woozy. It's a wazi. It's, it's nothing. <laughs> it was nothing. What I saw it as was an opportunity for me to make it something. I saw the opportunity to be the quarterback. I saw the opportunity to be the face of this promotion. And I jumped on it. I'm guessing Tony Khan felt the same way as you did. Uh, maybe not at first. Um, I definitely was not a quote-unquote chosen one. I, I wasn't best friends with anyone in power. Um, I wasn't an indie darling. Frankly, I was scrappy-doo. Like, I, I, I was, I was kind of Cody's sidekick, you know, when the company first started. And if you think about it, <sighs> I've built this all through hard work and determination. When AEW started, I got hit over the head by Joey Janela at a uh, pep rally, if you guys recall, because Joey was the star at that point in time. I was this kind of undercard guy, maybe he's got a shot, Cody seems to like him, eh, throw him out there. It's crazy to think about now. Yeah, it's insane. But that's that was my spot. And, and I'll never forget, ever, the amount, <laughs> the amount of times I looked in the mirror and I said, you're going to get there. Just keep going. Because I've known what I've got. And, and I'm thankful and I'm grateful for the people that have been along for me on this ride, even the people that doubted. Because now I'm seeing, which is a very hard thing to do in 2023, because everybody loves to hold on to an opinion, even if they know they're like wrong deep down, for whatever reason. Nobody, nobody wants to apologize. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong, yeah. and it's okay to have a conversation. Too. Yeah, it's weird. Like people will just put their you know flag in the sand and be like, nope, this is it, done, and like that's insane. Unless you're talking about how great I am, then by all means, plant that flag. <laughs> but yeah, now I, I think everyone's pretty much come around on MJF, and everyone's agreeing that I'm I'm a main event, I'm a headliner, I'm a world champion, I'm a literally the headliner for the the biggest show ever, and that's not hyperbole. Well, let's talk about milestone moments. Yeah, and I'm sure what fans perceive as those moments and what you perceive those moments are may be different. Okay. But I'm just going to look at somebody who is a fan like you were growing up. What was it like to see your first action figure? Like, what was that like for you to see an MJF action figure in a package? I had like, this is going to make me sound like such a Mark bitch, but it's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm rich beyond my wildest dreams, so I guess I can talk about it now. <laughs> But I used to have, like, an action figure, like, fed. So I would, like, create matches, and I would, I would book matches, like, on my rug. So I would put, okay, this is where the tag match is happening. This is for the four-way. This is for the world title. This is the singles match. Here's, here's where these guys are going to start hating each other. And I would do that for, like, hours on end. So to see a physical embodiment of something that I, I utilized both as like a fun playing around tool, but also if you, if looking back on it now, like I was kind of teaching myself. Yeah. Like how this shit worked without even really realizing it. Um, Cause I remember I would, I would create these just elaborate cards and stories. So yeah, to see a physical embodiment of my childhood essentially was pretty wild. And now there's like nine different variants of me because they sell so well. Yep. So now I don't care as much. It's not as special anymore as the first one, but it's, yeah, it's cool. So for you in AEW, and obviously, and we talked about this as well, 
there were some hard times because there was the lockdown and you're wrestling in front of no crowds. Yeah. And, Me and Jungle Boy having an absolute knockout, tear out banger and no one's in the crowd. You're just dying. <laughs> and, I, and I can imagine what yeah. that must be like for you, but yeah. for us. Well, what it was like for me is I had to smell Jungle Boy. He smells like <laughs> crap, but that's <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But for us, yeah. like you were able, and there's not many forms of entertainment you can say this about. Pro wrestling, I know, saved me as a fan. Mm. Because during the lockdown was such a crazy time, such an uncertain time. To be able to see you in that match or to watch AEW or the WWE... That was like my only sense of normalcy during such a crazy period of time. So I thank you for that. Um, but for you, when you look at so far in your career, and we'll get into this weekend, but what was for you the number one moment so far in your career? I'm going to talk about, oh, of my entire career. Yes. I mean, this is what you work for your whole life. So I'd say winning this in the Prudential Center. It's it's what you literally work for your entire life, yeah. And knowing that you're the captain, there's been, there's the been so many incredible moments. Don't get me wrong. No, I know. There's been I've a had lot. a Hall of Fame career, and I'm only 27. <laughs> but this is, we're laughing. But I can sit here and I could I could literally run down. Um, but yeah, that that night, that night. And I remember that night and the press conference afterwards. Like you said, that you're you know you're the captain of the ship. Yeah. And there was uncertain times, and now, like you said. The ship has been righted, and now we're on a, on a course, and this course is going to wind up in front of 81,000 fans this weekend. I think we're at almost 277 days, this rain. And I feel that the world title was beginning to become a little shaky. There was some weirdness going yeah. on. And I remember, I remember just telling everyone in that press conference, this isn't going to be shaky anymore. This is, gonna, this is going to be the grandest prize of them all. And that is exactly what I've done. And I'm very proud of that. And it's and that it's, means more to me than anything I've done. Yeah. But it also means like being being the champion, as you said, means you're the best. But it also means something else to be the face of the company, the face of the show, which you are. Mm. I think when people think of AEW, not just because you're the champion, but for other reasons as well, they immediately think of you. And when you look at the roster of AEW right now, like you, you have legends on that roster. Of course. But when they think of the company, they I'm one think of, of Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. I don't give a shit. So, it's true. like, what does that mean for you knowing that you are the face of AEW? Everything. This is, this is what you work your whole life for as a, as a professional athlete. I mean, this is what you dream about as a kid. Um, I don't know how to expand upon it even more than that. I'm sorry. I wish I could. No, just, that's perfect. The word, actually. the word is everything. And what, yeah. but what really means also everything to me from a future goal standpoint is I want to go down as people universally agreeing that this is the best AEW world title reign. That is my, that's a really big goal of mine among the many that I have. And I feel that I am, uh, I'm getting pretty damn fucking close to making that happen. Five years ago was the first all in. Yep. Five years ago, there was no AEW. Five years ago, people didn't think that you can draw 10,000 fans in an arena outside the WWE. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was much of a pro wrestling world outside of the WWE. That's just five years ago. Yeah. And here we are five years later, and you and I are sitting here, you know, I'm able to expand Busted Open to a point where it's the number one sports show. We get it. We get it, Dave. We're all proud of no, you. No, Jesus no, no, no. But, but it coinc- Jesus Christ. That's for all the walking, talking zombies who didn't even bother to fucking show up today to give me my flowers. But that's not the point. Now, here we are five years later. It's 2023. I gave your wife flowers, though, Dave. Mark, you saw it. All right, no, ask the, ask the question. Ask the question. Here it is five years later, 2023. And five years ago, people didn't think there'd be 10,000 fans in the arena. There's going to be over 80,000 fans. We are close to 82,000 people. But even more important than that. Yeah. Five years ago, you're in the opening match on the first all-in in front of 10,000 fans. And people, didn't, people were scratching their heads wondering why you were there. Yeah. 
now you're in the main event. You're the champion in the main event. Just, it's incredible. Like, you couldn't dream up a better scenario yeah. than that. Think about that. I, I, are you taking it in, like, here this whole week as we're leading up to this match? Do you understand the significance of what you, sir, have been able to accomplish in this five-year period? You know, it's... Uh, shit, I'm tearing up. Um, <clears throat> I always knew deep down, but it's hard. Because in life, people will look at you and they will make fun of you and they will question you and they will, uh, they'll pick on you and they'll bully you and they'll push you around and they'll shove you down and they'll make you question yourself. And there were times where I did, but I'd always snap out of it and I'd say, you can do this. You can be the guy in wrestling. And there's so many reasons why I shouldn't have been. I did it. All that's left for me to do is to win in Wembley. And if I do, I, I genuinely become legendary. And that's not, that's not a line. That's a real thing. To be the biggest headliner in the history of the sport and to win. And the fact that I get to do it with somebody who means so much to me. And that's not... I feel like people think, like, me and Adam Cole, we, like, hang out on TV. And they're like, okay, like, bye. And then, like, he goes home, like... I talk to this dude every day. He's my brother. I, um, I've never met somebody um, more caring, more supportive, more warm, and most of all, like more trust. I've never really been able to trust anybody. Unfortunately, I have RSD. I can, I've, if, if anybody doesn't know what it is, it's rejection-sensitive disorder, and it makes it um, essentially what's going to happen today, which is sad, is I'm going to leave this room and just because this is the way my brain is wired and it doesn't matter how much therapy I have, I'm going to leave this room and I'm going to go, well, they all hate me. And it, which is why it made it so easy for me to be a piece of shit for my entire career. And it made it so hard for me to be like, like let my, my guard down. But like Adam Cole taught me how to let my guard down. He's made me a better person. Uh, and and that's the God's honest truth. So the fact that I get to share this, this moment in history with somebody who is, people love to use the word shoot, but somebody who's like, shoot, my best friend. I, I love the dude. And it's it's crazy. And sure, we have our up and downs, just, just like any other friends do. Like, sometimes I want to hit him in the fucking face with this ring. Sometimes he wants to super kick my jaw off. But at the end of the day, we always hug it out. Um, I'm going to beat you, Adam. <sighs> but we'll hug it out. I appreciate you saying those words about Adam Cole, but I want to bring it back to you yeah. because that's why we're here and that's why everybody came to be a part of this town hall yeah. today was because... Sorry, I almost cried there. It's so it, No, it's... I Because I almost got teared up yeah. because, um, you know, to see where you were and where you are right now, it it is, for me the most successful story that I've ever seen play out in front of me, in front of my own eyes, in real time. Um, and I've been a part of the radio business for over 20 years, and I've been a pro wrestling fan for over 40 years, which shows two things. One, I'm fucking old. And two, that, you know, I appreciate and I love this because that's, I've made it my livelihood. And to see your success... It's been well earned. You earned everything that you have. You've earned that championship. You've earned the fact that we had this day. You've earned the fact that you're going to be wrestling in front of 81,000 fans on Sunday. And you've earned to be a part of maybe the most historic event in the history Fucking of maybe. pro wrestling. What is the maybe? It's the biggest crowd ever. Maybe. Fuck, fuck your maybes. If you're saying maybe anywhere... Suck a bag of dicks. So that's a lot of dicks. Bleep, bleep that out if you want to. It's not enough dicks, Dave. It's not enough. Well, it's the I biggest mean, event in the history of the sport. If we were talking about my ex-wife, it wouldn't be enough. But, <laughs> but I'm be completely serious. Like you've earned this. You've Thank earned you. that championship gold around I your waist. So you've you've earned this opportunity. And you've earned 
you know, everything that's come your way. And when I know when I watch this on Sunday, I'm, I'm going to cry seeing you in the middle of that ring in this match, in the mis- most historic main event. You're in it. You're in the most historic main event in the history of pro wrestling. So for that, sir, congratulations. And it's been a joy for me, even though you despise me. And even though you've said some of the most unkind words that anyone has ever said to me. Um, it's nothing you haven't thought about yourself. I, uh, I do love you, and I love what you've done for this business. And you should be proud of yourself because I know I'm proud of you. I know your family's proud of you, and I know your fans are proud of you. So congratulations. And, you know, thank you for being a part of this event today. It means a lot to my, to me, and it means a lot to our fans. Well, yeah. All of you poors are very welcome. You're very welcome. So, um, Sunday, Adam Cole, MJF, main event, 82,000 people by the time we get to Sunday, I'm sure. And the opening on uh, Zero Hour, no big deal. We might become your new AEW World Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champion. <laughs> but you know what? And uh, and when after I say this, I'm going to stand up to applaud you. Your AEW World Champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, MJF. Thank you. Appreciate it. Buy the pay-per-view now, August 27th. If you don't buy it, I'm going to come to your house. And have sex with your wife. All right. right. Thank you, everyone, for being a part of this. Thanks for listening. Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.